0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. My name is Hannah, and I am the kids and youth pastor here, and it's a true privilege and honor to be Um, Preaching tonight, I'm a bit nervous. I actually, I just have to apologise from the start. I'm a bit tired. I just came off the most epic schoolies and um, I just saw God do so many incredible things. I could tell you a million stories, but I am pretty tired. So sorry if I fumble my words, but also it's a... It's going to be a vulnerable night. I hope that's okay with you, but that's why I'm a bit nervous. But um, I just want to welcome you to our last week of the Joseph series and what a ride it has been. been. It's definitely not a boring story. Um, It is one filled with so many fun things. Um, But the title of this week's portion is Redeemed Past, Restored Future. And I knew I was preaching about this um, a couple of weeks ago, and for all of these weeks that I've been preparing, I have just had these words swimming around in my head, and every time we've preached, um, every time we've heard a preach on this topic, I've just been reminded again that God is a redeeming God, and He continues to restore our future. And I think these words are a beautiful wrap-up of a beautiful story. Every time we tell it, we see how Jesus and God worked through Joseph's life to restore him and to build him up and give him a phenomenal future. And Jesus does the same for us today. So that's what I want to unpack tonight. So will you pray for me before we start? Lord Jesus, pray with me and for me. Um, <laughs> Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the honour and privilege it is to speak your word, Lord. It is something that I do not take lightly, but I'm so humbled by the fact that you would choose me out of everyone um, to share Um stories of your goodness and your grace and your mercy and Lord I just pray that tonight I'd be your microphone it would be your words not mine that I would be able to show and tell them of what you have done in my life and how much grace you have shown me how much joy you have given me how even in hurt pain and brokenness you are such a faithful God Lord, thank you for the story of Joseph's life. Thank you that we are shown through every single aspect how you were with him and doing incredible works in the highs and the very, very lows. And Lord, we have just seen it throughout history and we know you can do it for us today. So I just ask that your Holy Spirit would come tonight that... Your Holy Spirit would be doing work in each and every one of our hearts. We wouldn't walk out the same as we walked in, but we would be transformed by your love and your grace and your mercy that continually covers all of our sin, all of our shortcomings, and makes us heirs to your throne, children of God that are loved and valued by the mighty God who created this beautiful world. Lord, we love you so much. And I pray that tonight as I speak, it would be an act of worship to you because you so deserve the glory and honor and praise. I love you so much. We all love you. In your mighty name we pray, amen. So what I found interesting about this series is that many of us in the room have been like, yep. I know this story. I know what happens. I heard it as a kid in Sunday school and I've, I've heard it a million times maybe. But as we've dived in, I wonder if you've been surprised by a few things that you forgot about, whether it's a big part or a small part. But we've, I think we've all kind of related to Joseph in some way. If we look at the image, the storyline, do we have that? The storyline, um, which is pretty awesome, yeah, um, of G- of Joseph's life, it's so it's got highs and it's got incredible lows, and I reckon all of us at some point could plot ourselves on the line somewhere, right now or maybe sometime in the past we can plot somewhere on this story that we have been. And whether life looks really great and exciting for you right now and things are amazing, or you've hit the wall and you're struggling with forgiveness and anxiousness, um, you're struggling with darkness and not sure where the way out is, I reckon we can see in Joseph's life how good God is. There's parts we can relate to in such beautiful ways even if you're in a really dark place right now. And I'm the same. So let's look back on the story for the final time as we wrap up this story. And as I was kind of like writing this all out, I felt like I was like Olaf from Frozen 2, just being like, and then this happened, and then this happened. I think it's just the impaling. But anyway, um, Jacob, one of the most well-known guys in the Old Testament. Sorry if you haven't seen Frozen 2, you'll have no idea what that reference was. Um, Jacob was one of the most well-known guys in the Old Testament, has 12 sons, but Joseph. Joseph was his first son from his favourite wife and therefore he was the favourite child. And maybe this is why, because of this story, this is why you're told to never have favourites because Jacob gives his son a beautiful coloured coat to show everybody that he was the favourite. And Joseph milked it. He really milked it. He knew he was the favorite. And I don't know whether he just got really excited, but he decided to share this about these dreams that God had given him. God had given him these beautiful dreams, which um, were a bit cryptic, but Joseph also had the gift to interpret these dreams. And so he goes to his 12 brothers and tells them, I had a dream that you guys would all bow down to me. Now, I don't know if you have brothers and sisters, but if I had my sisters say that to me, I'd be like, okay, awesome. But these brothers were a little bit more intense than okay, awesome. They were like, this sucks. I don't like that. We're gonna try and kill him. <laughs> I know, it's like, this is what I mean by Olaf. It's like, oh my gosh, what the heck? Why would you do that? Anyway, um, so Joseph is stripped of his coat, thrown into a well, and they're trying to figure out how to kill him. But Benjamin, the youngest son, the one that actually likes Joseph, convinces them all to sell him for some quick cash to some merchants who are walking by instead of killing him. And honestly, it is... One up from being dead, right? But it's still not ideal because Joseph is now on his way to Egypt, as to be sold as a slave. And when he sold in Egypt, he sold to a guy called Potiphar. Now Potiphar is the head, captain of the guard. He is really high up in the army. He's a really um, powerful dude, and in this household, he works his way up to be one of the top guys in Potiphar's household. And he's doing really well for himself. We can see God's blessing over him as he is working, as he is continually going up in the ranks. But as he's working up and doing well for himself, Potiphar's wife gets a little bit keen on this smoking hot dude that's running the household and so tries to take him to her bed. Now, Joseph, in all of his senses, runs the absolute opposite way because he knew that it was the wrong thing. But Potiphar's wife was embarrassed and he, she was angry and used her power to abuse and accuse Joseph of doing the wrong thing, even though he did nothing wrong. And he was thrown in prison. You can kind of see, can we put, get that image up again so you can just see where we're going? So Joseph is now in prison Now, in prison, he meets a butler and a baker. We've gone from Olaf to um, be our guest. Anyway, he meets a butler and a baker and he uses the gift God has given him to interpret some dreams that the butler and the baker has. And unfortunately, it gets a bit gnarly because one of the guys is about to be impaled and the other guy is about to work his way up back to being the butler to Pharaoh. And sure enough... I am impaled. He is impaled. It's pretty gory, but it's true. And then the other guy, the butler, works his way back up into being the butler of Pharaoh. And the one request that Joseph had for this one guy who was going to live was, don't forget me. Please remember me when you are working back in Pharaoh's court. But do you think... That he remembered, as you can see, he is left and forgotten for two years. I don't know what you were doing two years ago, but two years is a really long time. And so Joseph is in the prison. He's left, he's forgotten, and he's going, God, what am I doing here? This is not the dreams you promised me. Maybe I got it wrong. I don't know what I'm doing here. Have you forgotten about me? But again... God is faithful to Joseph. The prison guards see that he has favour over his life, so he works up through the ranks and becomes head of all the prisoners. I don't know if that's a good job, but he becomes head of all the prisoners. And finally, finally, after two long years, we see the butler... is sees Pharaoh is have, has had this dream and is asking everyone in all the land to try and interpret this dream for him. But no one can. And the butler has a light bulb moment. Finally, two years, it's only two years, but finally has this light bulb moment and goes, oh, that's right. I was in prison with a guy who um, interpreted dreams. you want to try him out? And so he gets sent up to Pharaoh. Pharaoh explains the dream and Joseph says, God can tell me what your dream is all about. And he does. He interprets the dream. There's seven years of flourishing where the king, all of Egypt will flourish. There'll be so much prosperity, but then seven years of famine will follow. So Pharaoh is so impressed. He goes from Jacob being in prison to second in charge over all of Egypt. Egypt. I reckon that's a pretty good um, jump, if I would say, in my career, if you did that. But he jumps from the prison to second in charge and then becomes head over all of the stores that they're collecting all the grain. So they are collecting food that they can store so that when the seven years um, happens, they are ready. And what's incredible is that they store up so much food that they lose track of how much they've stored. And Joseph Just you can see God's favour and prosper over his life. And it's truly amazing because after the seven years, sure enough, seven years of famine follows. People are hungry, they're dying, they're scared. And Joseph now gets to step in to the faithfulness of storing up all this stuff and being able to keep (laughs) Egypt alive and moving forward and doing really well for themselves. It was truly an incredible story. And then we see Joseph's family. Finally, they are struggling themselves. The 12 brothers, actually, sorry, the 11 brothers, everyone bar the one that spared his life because he's now the new favourite, <laughs> goes to Egypt to beg for food. And Joseph finds himself in the palace with his 11 brothers, or 10 I got the math wrong. Yeah, ten. He's twelve. Ten. Um, he has his ten brothers. Sorry, <laughs> kneeling in front of him, exactly as the dream had told him. He, he could. I. He couldn't believe his eyes. But the brothers had no clue who he was. It had been so much time had passed. They had no clue, and they thought he was dead. But. Can you imagine what would have been bubbling up inside Joseph as he saw his brothers kneeling before him? He was hurt and he was angry because they had thrown him out, sold, and abandoned him. And so Joseph, understandably, was a little bit harsh. He was harsh with his brothers. He told them to go back and get Benjamin, the younger son, and bring him back. The dad, Jacob, was a little bit anxious because... His last favorite son, I don't know. Jay, I don't know about this whole favoritism thing. It makes me uncomfortable. Anyway, but Benjamin comes back. He, they all again kneel before Joseph and he is there and with tears streaming down his face, he gets everyone to leave the room and he says to them in Genesis 45 verse five, do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourself for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. What a line! Oh, I just, I just can't imagine being there. Like this is a true story. This actually happened. So, can you picture yourself as why the probably the brothers? Because I would be pretty angry if I was not the favourite. No, I'm not. No, no. Anyway. Um, The brother's sitting there thinking they would be, I don't know, impaled maybe. Um, And he says to them, it's because of God that I'm here. And he sent me ahead of you to save all these people. What an act of forgiveness. We talked about it last week. It truly blows my mind that that was his reaction. And then he invites all of his family to come live in Egypt with him and they live this prosperous life. It is truly amazing. And so you find ourselves at the end of the story. At the very end of Genesis, we have... details of Jacob's death the dad has passed away and they are burying him back in his hometown and an incredible assembly of all of his family and so many Egyptians because they have such a reverence for Joseph go to the hometown to mourn him But the brothers, understandably, become fearful yet again. Their dad is not protecting them from their younger brother now. And they're scared that Joseph might turn on them now that the dad is dead. But in Genesis 50, the last chapter of Genesis, I would say we find, personally, one of the most beautiful scriptures in all of the Bible. It's a big call, but listen to this. Genesis fifteen nineteen to 21. Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. What an incredible man of God. What, God, what they intended for harm, God has turned to good. And what is beautiful is that we see this narrative continue then throughout history. Until today, we still see it. But especially in the Old Testament and the New Testament, but the Old Testament, we see what was meant for harm and cause pain and hurt, God actually creates redemptive stories where he gets the glory because of his grace and love and goodness to his people. Time and time again, people in the Old Testament are doing the wrong thing and God is pouring out his grace on them, showing how much he loves them, that there is power in forgiveness and love. The Israelites then come get got in Egypt and they're slaves, but they come out of Jesus and Jesus, wow. They come out of Egypt and Moses and Joshua are able to show God's grace over his people as they come out of slavery. Gideon and his unbelief with the fleece, he... He starts winning wars with this tiny little army. David, a man after God's own heart, sleeps with another man's wife and then kills him because he's so ashamed. But because of God's forgiveness, we see him being one of the greatest kings in the Old Testament because God forgave him. Rahab, Esther, Elijah, Hosea, Daniel, Job, one of the craziest stories of faith in hard times all leading us to a point where Jesus comes into the story. And truly, Jesus' story is the most beautiful redemption story in all of history. Think, it reminded me of probably the most well-known verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world. He loved the brokenness and the hurt and the pain. He loved us all so much, even despite that, that he gave his only son. He gave, it, gave his son as a gift to us so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. When Jesus came to the earth, God sent part of himself down to live amongst us and he knew it would not be easy. There'll be trials and pain and heartache, temptation, and yes, joy in there too. But everything he did had the end in mind. He knew that bad would happen, that life is not easy for all of us. When we become Christians, it does not get easy, even when you're not. It's not easy. Bad things will happen. When Jesus was alive, people cursed him and absolutely tore him apart, but he knew what he needed to do. And so he went to the cross, beaten, bruised, bloodied, and he cried out, they do not know what they have done. He had hit his lowest moment. And when he breathes his last, the enemy thought he had won. But what was intended for harm turned to joy, Three days later, when our Saviour, our King defeated death and made a way for you and I to come back to the Father and be with Him for eternity, all sin, all shame, all condemnation was fully taken off for us and we were made clean. If that is not redeem, redeemed past, restored future, then I, I don't know what is. I've got nothing for you. You can tune out if you want to. But in preparing for tonight, like I said, I've been thinking about this phrase for so long. I couldn't get past the fact that this is my story too. I too can plot myself on Joseph's timeline and see my really big highs. And yes, there are a lot of them, but also my really big lows. And if any of you picked up a Joseph Life group booklet and read ahead, I don't know if you have, but if you read ahead, you'll see that there are these questions for your groups to answer this week. And they're quite intense questions. If you were to die today, what would be your last request? What kind of legacy would you like to leave? And have you seen the truth of God at work in your own life? pick up a life group booklet. Maybe if you're bold enough, you can talk about it in your life groups. But in reflecting on these questions, I did think about my own story. I've thought about these questions a lot throughout my life. And can I tell you that no one, absolutely no one can tell me otherwise that God is a good God, I'm really tired, (laughs) who redeems your past and restores your future. I remember a moment when my youth girls way back when came up to me in a really tough time that I'm just about to tell you about. And I had talked about faith and joy despite circumstances with them and trusting the plan that God has for your life. And I remember them standing in a group. We were all in tears because it was a really yucky situation. And I said to them, if I, don't show, if I don't put action to my words, then I'm nothing. It was the worst time of my life, but I knew that what was meant for harm and hurt and pain that was caused in that time, God was using to bring life and glory to his name. And I'd love to tell you, if I'm allowed, the incredible work that God has done in my heart. To give you a bit of context, before I finished school, I met a boy. <laughs> his name was Joel, and I I was a bit smitten. He was the year above me and we started chatting on a missions trip to the Philippines, which was the first tick for me. Um, He loved cooking and I did a lot of hospitality with him. And all through high school, I'd swore off boys because I got teased as a kid when I was little. And so I was like, I'm not gonna like any boys because I don't wanna get teased. And if I do actually like a boy and somebody comes up to me and says, do you like a boy? I don't wanna lie. And so I like... I don't know how I did it, but I did it. I, like, kind of swore myself off, boys. And then Joel came along and he kind of wrecked it for me. Um, um, But I was freaking out because this pact was kind of, he was making it really difficult to keep this pact to myself. Anyway, last term of year 12, we did a few functions together. We kept talking and year 12 formal, he showed up. And that's us little babies. Um, He showed up and I was like, what the heck are you doing here? Anyway, it was our first photo together and I was like, oh man, I like this boy. Um, But also in... the last term of year 12, I applied for an internship in Cambodia. It was a year-long internship with girls who um, had been trafficked and now are getting taught how to make cakes, which is the appeal we're doing this year. I'm really excited to raise money for them this year. But they were getting a new future and a restored hope in their life. And in year 12, in year 11, I'd been completely wrecked by a friend who had told me she had been raped at a party. And I just, my world flew open, my eyes were open, and I was just I knew that there was terrible things happening in the world, but God would use me in some way to be in this area to show God's love to them. So I applied for the internship and I, I remember the day, clearest day, I had finished all my exams for year 12. It was such an amazing day. I was in shock that everything had kind of come to an end. I was texting the boy I liked. I was like living my biggest dream. And then I get this computer. I open my computer. There's an email on it that says, we would love to accept you to come to Cambodia for a year. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) It was Everything happening all at once, and I remember messaging Joel, and I was like, "I have some news. Like, I just got accepted to Cambodia for a year," and he was like, "Oh, that's okay. I'm moving to Melbourne as well." And I was like, "No, oh, okay." <laughs> so it kind of worked out that we were both moving away, and that, um, and in that time before we both left, we got to know each other. And the time we, re- t- and when it got time for us to leave, I remember giving them the biggest hug, and I just knew that. We kind of were, we kind of both had the feeling that we'd never talk to each other again. I don't know why, but um, we just had this great time and then we were like, well, this is it. See ya. Um, but it kind of was my Joseph um, dream moment. I was like on this high, but I was like, I don't know what's happening with this. This is fine. But the thing is, I am a hopeless romantic, but he was too. And so on my birthday, he had written me 27 letters to open up throughout the whole year I was away, which is a lot of work. I don't know whether I'd be up for that, but it's a lot of work. He put down a couple of quotes, a Bible verse, and a countdown for when I was coming home. And so how could I not message him and thank him for all that work he'd put in? Um, So two weeks in, We um, Skyped, Skyped, it was Skype, yeah. We Skyped, and um, from then on, it was kind of amazing because we were both in these like different worlds. We were both experiencing these new places for the first time, and we did it together. It was kind of nice. So the whole time, we just were unpacking all of these new experiences and obviously it kind of just like worked up to being like one hour for like half hour one hour I think our longest was like five which is classic um anyway we got we became really good friends and I was like oh man this is getting really tricky we're so far apart but I remember in October I'd actually called mum. I was like I don't know he just seems like really distant lately and then that afternoon I um was dropping off cupcakes to a hotel because that's kind of, was part of the job. And I dropped these cupcakes off and I was like, yeah, I have cupcakes and they're like, oh yeah. Um, Yeah, they're Joel's. And I turned around and he was like right there. (laughs) And I was like, what are you doing here? He'd flown all the way to surprise me. And I was like, man, I cannot be just friends with this man any longer. So when we got back, we started dating. And it was honestly the best three years. Uh, It didn't like not come with its challenges. Yes, it was challenging. And we were so close to breaking up when I had all these red flags. (laughs) My parents remember it very well. Um, <laughs> um, in August, I came to him with like this piece of paper and it was like, I got some red flags. And he was like, oh. Um And so we, anyway, we worked it out, thank the Lord. And um, it just got really good after that. We were like, nah, this is it. We're so excited for our future together. Um, yeah, guys, if you want any tips, I can let you know about all the romantic things he did. <laughs> he was very amazing. Um But December 13, 2017, I desperately wanted to go to the beach. And I heard about this amazing kind of off-the-grid beach in Byron. Sorry. And we both had the day off. It was amazing. So we went. We bought a beach tent from Anaconda because he hated the sun. And so um, we got this beach and we drove down to Byron talking about our future, about how he was so excited that we'd both worked up enough money to put a deposit on a house. It was just, it seemed idyllic. It was really amazing. Anyway, we got to this beach and it was a beautiful day. We set up the tent, absolutely lathered ourselves in sunscreen because that's what he liked to do. Honestly, sunscreen (laughs) makes me, I remember him when I smell sunscreen. I mean... I remember I was putting on the last bit of sunscreen and he went out into the water. But the thing is, he wasn't a good swimmer. And um, we got out there and it was so rough. It was so rough. And um, he started having an asthma attack and I just didn't know what to do. There was, it was an abandoned, it was like no one there. I reckon I'd seen two people that morning on the beach go for walks. Anyway, um, yeah, he didn't make it. We, I pulled him back into shore, was had waved to anyone and amazingly there was a couple of people they came and helped me bring them out and were doing CPR and I can I tell you I've never screamed prayers louder than I did in that moment I was I did not care if these guys were atheists or Buddhists or whatever I cried out to our God so passionately and with so much gusto believing he could save him if he wanted to I fully believed it but it was not it was not meant to be. That day, Joel got swept up into heaven, and I don't know, I was completely fine. I, I don't know how one person can come out not fine and the other person can come out fine, but I remember being in the cop car and the um, ambo stepped out and shook his head, and I just, it was just the most unreal moment. It truly felt unreal. And I remember sitting in the hospital talking to the nurses and they were trying to be really nice, but they were kind of in shock too. Like I was, I was in complete shock. And it, and, and it was the worst moment of my life. I was broken, my heart was in pieces, my mind was unable to comprehend that my life had completely turned on its head. And honestly, I have this notes page in my phone where I just started writing down all the stuff in my head because it was so overwhelming. It was too much in my head, so I wrote it on paper. And this was my first entry. It's amazing how much your heart can take how sometimes it's fine, but at other times it's completely shot. Today marks a month, and my heart is completely shot. No matter where I go, what I do, how many people are or aren't around me, I feel alone. And at the and the moment, it feels like there's an empty space as to at the moment, it feels like there's an empty space as to where my heart should be. I'm not sure what to do about it. All I want to do is talk to him. I want to cry with him and for him to cry with me. I want to drive in the car with him. I want to see his name come up on my phone. I want to talk until all hours of the morning. I want to be angry, happy, tired, annoyed, and joyful without feeling bad about having too many emotions. I want to trust people so much that I can tell them everything and for them to, have believe, to believe me that I can get through it but also can't. It's really confusing. So... They will will be there always. I want so many things, apparently, and I'm really struggling. Best friends are hard to find. When you lose a best friend, your heart breaks. Why do best friends not want to stick around me? (laughs) What is wrong with me? Sometimes I don't believe it. It's all a dream. I'm going to wake up and he'll magically be there. I hate waking up and realising it's not. (laughs) Why does waking up have to be so hard? I was Joseph thrown into the prison and I felt alone and so, so broken, but what I found is that we have a God who is so gracious to us and let me tell you what good came out of this situation. That day we were completely alone on the beach. I saw maybe one person when I arrived and that was it. And when we started waving, all of a sudden there were people. A miracle. It was amazing. They called the ambulance and get this, the first guy to help me drag Joel into the beach was a firefighter on holidays from Brazil. So he did CPR for 15 minutes straight, which is massive. I got to tell the nurses in the hospital, hospital about Jesus and trusting that because we had given our hearts to Jesus that I would get to spend eternity with Joel and see him again. There were two newspaper articles that Katie found where it says that there were two girls and a guy in the water, but it was only Joel and I. That was my Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego moment. My mum's friend Penny dreamt of the moment Joel passed away that she's an incredible prophetic woman and she said when he passed, he looked up to God and God just swept him straight into his arms. Joel said nobody liked him. But at the funeral a week later, 700 to 800 people were there from all walks of life. And I was able to share the gospel in that moment and found out later that people had returned to church after attending the funeral. For me, God did the most beautiful work in my heart. I remember going to Life Group at the time and... They were just so amazing. I felt alone. I was never alone, <laughs> never alone in any of the moments. But they gathered round me and prayed for me. And what I had been praying to God the whole time was that he would do a work in my heart because there was no way I could do it in my own my own self. And I was praying for that Japanese art to happen in my heart. You know where the clay breaks and they put it together with gold? I was praying. I was like, there's a lot of tiny little pieces. It's going to have to do a really good job. And this bar's better look pretty good at the end because my heart is completely shot. But I'd not told anyone this, but I remember JT, one of my brothers in Christ who I love so much, he came up and said, and I have a word for you. I just saw this gold heart. And what I realized that God wasn't piecing it together. He was covering the whole thing in gold. It was fully covered. It was fully restored in Jesus' name. I also had a moment on the beach where I was walking along. It was the first time we'd gone back and all his mates and my friends wanted to put flowers in the water. And I remember everyone was crying and having moments, and it was lovely. Um, but I was just not okay. And well, I was okay, but not okay. Um, but I remember being on the beach, and everyone was crying and trying to like put their hands around me, and I was like, ah, "This sucks." And I remember looking out to the ocean, which was incredibly difficult. And I remember saying, "God, this sucks." And I just had every attack of the enemy coming at me from all different directions, that I wasn't good enough. Why was it him, not me? That you should be dead as well, that it was your fault. All of this really ugly things coming at me. And I just yelled out in a moment of frustration, it should have been me. And all of the people around me had no clue what to do. Obviously, I wouldn't know what to do in that situation. But I was like, I'm so sorry about that. I'm just going to walk down the beach to cool off. And I walked down the beach. And as I walked down, I remember God so graciously. It just was, is like every step. Every step that I took was... Uh, step of, God, you got to do something in my heart. I got nothing left. I don't know who I am. I just am broken. How do I go on from this? I don't really want to be here anymore. I want to be with you in heaven and with Joel. And I remember every step I took and every couple of steps, he'd be like, but Hannah, I've called you here for this moment. You are fearfully and wonderfully made nothing you can do can separate you from me all of these scriptures that had become my rocks as a kid were now it was Hannah do you believe that they're rocks in their life or are these things coming at you that who you think you are right now are they rocks or are they just fleeting thoughts and it was like oh no wait I've built my foundation on the fact that God loves me so much. He sent his only son so that I could spend eternity with him. That's a non-negotiable for me. And if that's a non-negotiable, why am I believing these other things that come in? And it was so sweet. It was so beautiful. And he gave me this picture of these angels standing around me in full armor, shoulder to shoulder, locked, no one could get in. And I was on my knees in the middle, so helpless, so broken, and hearing all this attack come at me from all directions. Honestly, it was the grossest thing ever. But I remember being on my knees and God shouting from the heavens, you can yell all you want, but you do not touch my daughter. And it was just, it's, It's an absolute solidified memory in my head and God continued to work so faithfully in my heart and truly, can I tell you, it's a miracle that I'm standing here today. It was painful and messy just like Joseph's story yet God used my story, and the experience for greater things, just like he used Joseph. Things that I could never have imagined. Through Joseph's pain, God's goodness and glory shines through. And he did the same in my heart. I am, I'm so grateful. Many of us allow our past to become the reason we lose hope for the future. But God can redeem our past and use it for his kingdom's glory, even in our brokenness. Jesus' life, death and resurrection gives us a chance to be born again, to write a brand new and glorious chapter in our own stories despite our pain and brokenness in our past. Remember that verse in Genesis 50. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. I can say this to the enemy. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done to save many lives. So then do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. How amazing is that? How amazing is our God who continues to do the best work in our hearts that we might stand here today even in our brokenness and have joy despite our circumstances, to have peace that is gifted to us from a good, good God who loves us even when we don't know what our future holds, where we're going, what's happening. Our God is so, so good. So I have two responses for us tonight. The first is, I wonder if you've ever said yes to Jesus. If you've never said it, I want you to know how much He wants you to feel loved by Him. I've never felt more loved than in that moment with God as He just protected me like a roaring lion. But he can do absolute redemption in your heart and transform everything. He's that good of a God. He can bring peace and joy and life and wholeness even when you don't see light at the tunnel, at the end of the tunnel. And I would love to invite you, if you've never said yes to Jesus, maybe now might be the time. He's so good and he will do glorious things for you just like he did in the story of Joseph. It's because of Jesus that we are good, that we have a future, that we have hope, that we have joy. So why don't we just close our eyes for a moment? I wonder if that's you. Do you need your heart put back in pieces to be whole again, to be transformed and renewed? Do you want to say yes to him tonight? Put your faith in him and all have all your sin, all your shame, all of the yucky things just stripped back and be clean. All it requires of us is to to say yes to Jesus, to invite his spirit into our heart and say sorry for the things that we've done. He'll wipe it clean. If that's you, I'd love to invite you to just put your hand up right now. I'd love to pray for you if that's you. the best decision you'll ever made in my opinion well good why don't we open our eyes the next one I just have one more response Jesus did a wonder in my heart and I know he can do it for you too so if any of you are feeling why don't we stand let's stand if you were feeling broken if your heart If you relate to that picture of your heart being in pieces and you just don't know how to put it back together, I want to invite you to come forward tonight and I really want to pray for you because He can do it and He can do it way better than just Japanese art. Yes, that's beautiful, but He can cover it in gold and completely restore it, even if it's just a chip off the side. I would love to invite you to come forward and Circus and I would love to pray for you and to just stand with you, partner with you, be with you, know that you're not alone in this pain and brokenness but that you have people around you and you have a God who loves you so much. So as the team sings this beautiful song of how God loves us so much, I want to invite you to come forward in your own time if you want us to pray for any part of you that feels broken or hurting tonight. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you, or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.